Well, the unofficial start to college football season is always when you get that Phil Steele magazine. And let's say hello to Phil Steele joining us on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. Great to be with you as always. All right, Phil, magazine's out. I know you got, uh, obviously, I love having the hard copy, but you can also get the digital copy or both. Uh, What's on the table for folks this season? Yeah, and, you know, this year was a little different, Pete, because there's a paper shortage among the printers. So we actually had to print the magazine in two runs. The first run went exclusively to Barnes & Nobles. The second run is out there. It's at Books A Million, Walmart. That should be hitting now, but I can tell you Barnes & Nobles have them. All the other places will be getting them, but it's 352 pages. I feel it's got three to four times the amount of football information of any other college football magazine out there. And it's in a form which is very easy to use. All the information on the same place for every team. We get the same amount of coverage on Kansas. Uh, We get the same amount of coverage on Akron, Texas State, that we do on Alabama and and, uh, USC. Two full pages on each team. You can also go online and get it at philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. And that's where you pick up the digital versions at philsteel.com. Plus, we put up a daily blog each and every day at philsteel.com. So do make sure you check that out. So, uh, Phil, how much harder is the job for you now with the transfer portal and everything else that, that kind of goes into it, knowing that come spring camp, uh, the rosters aren't necessarily set? How much more difficult is that for you? Well, I tell you, Pete, the good news is uh, that the transfer portal actually closed this year on May 1st, and we go to the press June 8th. So okay. we knew all the players that had entered the portal, and we captured the majority of them that signed. But it's a seven-month process writing the magazine. And I could tell you this, almost every day during the seven-month process, someone walked in my office and said, Phil, this guy just left this team. Phil, this guy just signed this team. Then you have to adjust your power ratings. And let me give you an example. Uh, USC. I write the magazine in a three-write-through process. The first write-through is what I call my postseason write-through, where I read, I've just watched all the games during the season, and now I read through every article that's written about the team during the course of the year. Uh, at that point, uh, and then I write the positions. I say, what kind of shape were they heading into the year? What happened last year? And what kind of shape are they heading into this year? Well, at, the, at that point, after the postseason write-through, USC was a 4-8 team, had a brand-new head coach, and only had 11 returning starters. So I had a middle of the road in the Pac-12 South. Well, the second write-through process is after the uh, pre-spring, I should say, when we get the spring roster, find out any other players that have left or been added, and add in the freshmen. They start moving up a little bit. But then the third write-through is after I talk to the head coach. And this year I talked to 120 of the 131 head coaches. So I'm on the phone with Coach Lincoln Riley, um, ironically, the day they signed Jordan Addison from Pitt. And now all of a sudden USC has got Caleb Williams as the quarterback, who is my number one quarterback out of high school, and uh, thrive at Oklahoma under Riley. They got Mario Williams, my number two wide receiver out of high school, who played at Oklahoma under Riley. They added the Blitnikoff winner in Jordan Addison. Travis Dye, a 1,000-yard rusher. One of my concerns was offensive line. Coach Riley told me he liked the offensive line, felt they had great top-end experience, and didn't expect to inherit that much talent. And then defensively, 13 transfers come in, including a guy like Shane Lee, who started 13 games for Alabama as a freshman. Now all of a sudden, adjusting power ratings from that first right through to the third, USC's my number one most improved team in the country, and I picked them second in the South. So I tell you, there's been a lot more changes. It's a lot different than it was five years ago. Yeah, that's for darn sure. Well, let's uh, speaking of Lincoln Riley, let's talk about where he used to be and, and just the Big 12 in 
general, top to bottom, Phil. When you look at this conference, is this as wide open a power power five conference as exists in college football this season? Yes. And, you know, you could go and I, I've said this uh, many times this summer is the fact that uh, I think there's going to be a lot of upsets from the bottom five teams in the Big 12 over the top five teams just because it's so balanced. And even a team like Kansas, Pete, I mean, Kansas is a team that, all right, it's pretty easy. I'm picking Kansas last in the Big 12. Let's move on. Get on to the top nine. Who am I going to pick? But, you know, the job that Lance Leipold did last year at Kansas, taking over the team after spring practice was over, they had to learn new schemes both sides of the ball. They struggled. They opened up just one and eight. Their one win was over South Dakota. But how about those final three games? Mm -hmm. Beat Texas and controlled the game against Texas. Almost knock off TCU. Almost knock off West Virginia. The key was Jalen Daniels at the quarterback spot. Daniels is back. I like the running back room. I like the receiver room. And Lance Leipold's a guy that just can work wonders. He did great at Buffalo. I'm not calling for them to contend in the Big 12, no. But do I think they're going to pull another couple upsets this year? Yes. And they made it extremely difficult to forecast. I think your top five teams are clearly Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State. But as mentioned, you're, then you've got an Iowa State team with Matt Campbell, who's now an underdog, and that's when he does his best work. TCA, TCU, Coach Sonny Dykes told me he was pleasantly surprised with the talent he inherited. Didn't think he'd get that much. Neil Brown, all he does is bring in JT Daniels, and he's got one of the top defensive lines in college football. Joey McGuire's got an infectious enthusiasm and has a pretty talented team that he's got going. It wouldn't surprise me if they pull upsets. And then, as mentioned, I'm very, I'm, I'm much higher on Kansas than I have been in recent years. So as you look at uh, the rest of this league, and I completely agree with you, Phil, that Kansas is is not going to be just the cakewalk, the chalk it up to a W it has been for the Big 12 teams around the league uh, for the better part of a decade now. But when you look at this conference at the very top, I mean, you can make a case, I believe, for a handful of teams. Who are you looking at as the teams most likely to compete and win the Big 12 this year? Yeah, and I can make, if if you ask me to make a case for any team, uh, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, or Texas, I could do that. Uh, the team I picked to win the Big 12 this year is Oklahoma. And, you know, last year, Oklahoma struggled offensively. They only averaged 39 points per game, which was down about five, six points from what they normally do. But they got better as the season went on. Now, this year, when you look at Oklahoma, uh, they're on an experience level close to what Baylor and Oklahoma State are. For example, last year, Baylor had practically their entire team back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma State had their entire defense back. Oklahoma had a lot of losses to the NFL, and so they were at a experience disadvantage last year. This year, Oklahoma's on the same playing field. I mean, Oklahoma's got 10 starters back, Baylor's got 12, and Oklahoma State's got 11. Also last year, Oklahoma had to play on the road at Baylor and at Oklahoma State. This year they get both those two teams at home. And their quarterback this year, while brand new, is Dylan Gabriel. And back in 2019, Dylan Gabriel had UCF one of the most potent offenses in college football. His offensive coordinator that year was Jeff Levy. And Jeff Levy is his offensive coordinator here. They've got a veteran offensive line in front of them. They've got good skill position players. And Brett Venables knows defense. So add it all up. I picked Oklahoma to win the Big 12. And then who are you picking for second? I mean, you can make a case for Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas, or uh, Kansas State. Now, when you look at that, and I I completely agree. I mean, let's just talk about the one that maybe 
the casual Big 12 or college football fan is most surprised by. I don't think they should be, but Kansas State. Um, you know, Chris Kleiman's now heading in to another year, year three, where it's kind of like, okay, let's let's get this thing moving in the right direction, um, or at least where Bill Snyder had it in his better years. Why Kansas State this year uh, from the standpoint of, I don't know if dark horse is the right word, but team that can absolutely compete at the top of this league? Yeah, they sure have the star power, don't they? I mean, yeah. you look at uh, Deuce Vaughn at running back. Uh, to me, though, the key this year, Pete, is keeping Deuce Vaughn healthy because I think there is a big step down from Deuce Vaughn to number two, number three, number four running back. But if they keep Deuce Vaughn healthy, they've got a dangerous receiving core. And, and that's not something you associate with Kansas State. Kansas State for years does it with defense, special teams, and the run game. This year they actually have a good pass game, I think, with Phillip Brooks, Malik Knowles, and then how about Cade Warner as well? Jaden Jackson also comes in from Ole Miss. I love the receiving core. They're going to throw the football more. You're not going to see as much uh, two tight end or fullback in the offense. You're going to see more three wide. Uh, and, I, and I think Adrian Martinez should thrive. Now, Martinez has to cut down on the turnovers that he had last year, the last couple of years at Nebraska. But Adrian Martinez gives you a, a player that's very dangerous at the quarterback position, the team with Deuce Vaughn, and the team with some dangerous receivers. The offensive line will be better than expected. It always is at K-State. And then you look at the defensive line. I rate it top ten in the country. Uh, and Yudeki Azuma uh, at the uh, defensive end spot, Eli Huggins, Matlek, Duke, they're loaded up front in that defensive front seven, and the secondary is solid. So this is a team that also has my number three special teams, uh, and that's why I think there's a, a, a good amount of, I think Big 12 insiders are looking at K-State and saying this is a team that's clearly a contender. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'll stand corrected there, uh, Chris Kleiman, going into his fourth year, I believe I said third year. Now, Texas... Every year, uh, you know this, Phil, we all do it. Uh, look at the talent on the Longhorns. This talent is going to win at least 8, 9, 10 games, and then you end up with a season like last year. Why can, why will this year be different for the Longhorns? Yeah, and, and you hit it right on the head. In fact, uh, I'll mention at the end of the Texas write-up about something about that same thing. Now, first of all, Every second-year head coach I talk to always says the same thing. Phil, we are in so much better shape this year than last year. We now know the players' strengths and weaknesses as opposed to learning the players like we did last year. Uh, the players now know the systems. And I've had my first real recruiting class. Because that first recruiting class, you take over late. It's tough to sign players, especially in December. Uh, and that's the case with Steve Sarkeesian. He's definitely got talent to work with. They bring in a, a Quinn Ewers at the uh, quarterback position. They've got the best set of running backs in the country, an improved offensive line. And defensively, they've got plenty of talent there. Guys like Overshone, Coburn, Collins up front, and uh, talented guys in the secondary like Jamison and Cook. I can say this. With Texas, three of my nine sets of power ratings called them the best team in the Big 12 and called them to win the Big 12. I factored in what you said. Every year you think Texas has the talent to do it, and they don't. And that's why I didn't pick Texas to win the Big 12 or even pick them definitely in second in the Big 12. I've got them in a three-way tie uh, for second in the Big 12 because of the fact that Texas traditionally underachieves. But there is talent there. They do have to host Alabama. They play uh, Oklahoma in Dallas. 
and they have to play at Oklahoma State. But they are a clear contender, I think, in the Big 12 this year. Although I'm, I'm, it's a little tough to say that. And no, I'm not saying Texas is back. Texas is not back until they're the preseason favorite to win the Big 12 for three straight years. Yeah, that's a good or, way to put in it. in this case, the SEC. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Phil Steele is joining us here on the show. Always great to have him on. Phil, the one team we haven't touched on there in that uh, top contender list by you are the defending champs. Uh, you know, the Baylor Bears looking at what Dave Aranda is doing, heading to his third year, coming off that Big 12 title, going from hunter to hunted. How do you think this program is set up to having the target on their own backs? You know, I had a couple of long conversations with Coach Aranda, and I'll say this. I asked him that question about hunter to hunted. And he said that they never use the motivating factor of being the underdog at Baylor. They just go out and play the games. So he doesn't feel that'll have a impact on them. Now, naturally, their opponents may be more geared up for him. But I thought that was an interesting thought process that he had. You know, I've got great respect for Coach Aranda. You look at the, what they did last year. Uh, I, I'll go back to his days at Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, Wisconsin one year, they had very few returning starters on defense. I thought their defense was going to stink. And then it was one of the top five defenses in the country, and I was amazed. And I've been following him ever since then. He did great work at LSU, and now he's doing great work at Baylor. Defensively, tremendous schemes and tremendous talent. They've got one of the top defensive lines in the country, and they've got one of the top offensive lines in the country. I in the number seven offensive line, number four defensive line, and that right there makes him a contender. I love teams strong at the line of scrimmage. They have my number 20 special teams as well. Uh, your question marks with them might be the depth at running back, although they've got talent there. They just haven't emerged yet. Blake Shapin at the quarterback spot is going to give them an improved passing game, uh, but doesn't give them quite the run threat that they had with Bohannon. Uh, and as mentioned, they're strong at the line of scrimmage. Now, they do have a tougher schedule, and they don't have that huge experience advantage they had last year. Last year, they had 17 returning starters. This year, they only have 12. They do have to play Iowa State on the road. West Virginia, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Texas. So five road games in the Big 12, plus they play BYU on the road. Tough schedule for Baylor. I think they take a little step back this year, but Dave Aranda is just a phenomenal head coach, and I think he's going to have Baylor at the top uh, of the Big 12 for a long time. Now, when we look at the other teams, we talked about your top five contenders. We've talked about Kansas. That leaves us uh, Iowa State. That leaves us TCU. Texas Tech, and West Virginia. Of those four teams there, Phil, which one would be least surprising to you to find itself in contention by, say, uh, November in the Big 12 race? Yeah, and I'm actually going to go with Iowa State, despite the fact this team only has five returning starters on offense and three on defense, arguably the least experienced team in the Big 12. In fact, they are the least experienced team in the Big 12. They rank number 130 out of 131 teams on my experience chart. They disappointed last year. They were just 7-6. and six. But I just take it back to Matt Campbell. Now, Matt Campbell's a guy that has thrived in the underdog role. Remember, he was building that team. They'd pull big upsets every year. Now, last year, they came into the season, much as you said, Pete, the hunt dead. They were number seven in the country in the beginning of the year, a national title contender, and finished seven and six. This year, they're way under the radar. And it wouldn't surprise me if Hunter Deckers at QB actually had better stats than Brock Purdy did last year. Now, they do lose an outstanding running back in Brees Hall, but keep your eyes on Contavious Norton. I think he could surprise as a true frosh. They've got the receivers with Xavier Hutchinson. They have one of the better offensive lines out there. They've got a premier defensive end in Will McDonald. And they look solid, better than you would expect at the linebacker position, despite some of the losses that they had. So despite the inexperience, 
Matt Campbell's got them back to being the underdog, which is where they thrive, and they do have plenty of talent. He's been doing a good job building this team. So I guess Iowa State would be my team to pick out of that bunch. Now, uh, the hot seat, most people would say if there's a coach who's leading the hot seat conversation, I know it's cliche, but it gets a lot of attention, that would be Neil Brown at West Virginia. He's got JT Daniels at quarterback. Uh, the transfer in from Georgia. How much pressure do you think there is, Phil, on on Neil Brown uh, to start getting this thing back to where it was even at the end of the Dana Holgerson tenure? Yeah, I think there is pressure this year because West Virginia last year uh, at 6-7, and seven, uh, it was probably less achieved a little less than what they, they thought they would last year. I love the addition of JT Daniels. So, I mean, you take a look at Jared Deji. Uh, at quarterback last year, just a 19-12 ratio. If they can get that pass game going, they'll be in good shape. And I like what they have up front as well with Dante Stills, Tajay Austin. Now, the schedule's not easy. I am an underdog in six games this year. And if they finish 6-6 six and six again, then Brown may be under some pressure. I think there's some coaches across the country that are under more pressure, i.e. maybe Scott Frost in Nebraska, Brian Harson of Auburn. But uh, Neil Brown, I think out of the big 12 coaches, is the one that should be most concerned. I personally like what Neil Brown's doing there. I think he stepped into a tough situation his first year. Practically the entire team was gone, mm-hmm. and that's why they, they went 5-7. and seven. And I think he's been building this team the right way. Yeah. Now the two Texas schools we haven't talked about, Texas Tech, TCU, both have new coaches. Joey McGuire is getting an enormous amount of hype, and, and understandably so. Uh, Sonny Dykes seems to be a very good fit going across the Metroplex there. Those two teams... When you look at them, Phil, they're not expected to contend this year, but what are reasonable expectations for these two teams? They also look at a bit of a rebuild. Yeah, and especially when I talked to Coach Dykes, uh, he was in most positions, he would sum it up by saying he was happy with the talent he inherited. It was more than he thought he would have, and they have my number nine most improved team in the country, which means I think TCU does get to a bowl game. I don't think they're a legitimate Big 12 contender in the first year of Sonny Dykes, but he does have 18 returning starters coming back. It wouldn't surprise me if Chandler Morris beats out Max Dugan for the starting job there at the quarterback spot. And they're they're basically a veteran unit in a lot of positions. Plus, you know, Sonny Dykes likes to hit that transfer portal, especially bringing the Dallas kids home. And I think he's done that this year. So they are a talented team. And with Texas Tech, you know, Joey McGuire had me wanting to run through a brick wall there. <laughs> to talk to him. He's, a, he's an ex- very enthusiastic head coach. And uh, they're going to probably be an underdog in, I would say, eight games this year. So for them to get to a bowl might be a little bit tougher, but he feels pretty confident that he can get it going, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he wasn't left with a – I thought Matt Wells did a good job at Texas Tech. I don't think – I think he did a good job recruiting. There's talent there at both units. And uh, I think Joey McGuire definitely brings the enthusiasm to the factor. Uh, There's no denying that. Well, you know, this is the time of year, the unofficial start of the season – Uh, for me, is getting that Phil Steele magazine. Phil, it is great to have you on the show. Uh, I know every Big 12 fan listening loves what you do and appreciates all that you do. So thanks so much for being here, Phil. Always enjoy our conversations, Pete. Great talking football with you today. He's the man, Phil Steele, taking us top to bottom through the Big 12 Conference on heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Hey, a lot of those ratings and reviews on this show are coming through and coming through hot. Thank you for that. I know some of you haven't done it yet, but hit that subscribe button on this show. And then if you're feeling extra uh, generous, leave a rating and a review, and that's how I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. I put them in the mail myself. I send them to you. 
after you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to my email, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I got a bunch I'm sending out this week. You guys are fired up for the football season. We love that. We appreciate that. And uh, we so appreciate you making this the number one Big 12 podcast on iTunes, uh, beating out all the other big shots. And we're not doing it with any major marketing backing. We're doing it because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't thank you enough for that subscription, that rating, and that review. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.